James Pike away again away this week. So you've got myself, Emma Brain, and uh, Imtisham from Motoring Middle East in the studio. Imtisham, you're on your own uh, own again as well. <laughs> you've been abandoned. What's going on? I feel like there's on? a song or two about that, isn't there? <laughs> there is. Oh, by my... I'm not going to sing it all That's by myself. a great myself. song, but we can't do Bridget Jones. We've got to talk about lots of <laughs> auto shows and things happening this week, isn't there? We have. There is loads of uh, auto shows. But before we get into that, tell me about your trip to Japan, to Bridgestone. It was great. I did have a lot of fun and then I torturing some tires on the Bridgestone Proving Ground in Japan. Do you know Bridgestone is the number one tire manufacturer in the world? Really? Yeah, it's it it riveting, isn't it? But the actual trip was a really nice exposure to what the company is and what they do. One of the... I mean, it's tires. It's not going to set anybody's world on fire. But it is interesting to see how tires are made and how they pretty much make each piece by hand. And then the machine sort of cooks them together into a, basically a pie at the end of it. It takes about five minutes for the cook to happen. Wow. And then a man sorts each tire by eye, looking for imperfections. So that, at least that's something that hasn't been replaced by bots yet. Well, there's a lot of robots in the factory. And it was suspiciously empty. I said, well, they've got to be clearing it out because we're there. Because there's <laughs> got to be more people than that. Because there's, oh, it smells though. The smell of tires. Oh boy. Rubber. It's, it's, it's not a fun smell. One one fun interesting thing was they showed us the biggest tire in the world I saw the photo it looked amazing actually it was huge it is huge it's um, 40 something no, it was in a 63 inch wheel it is enormously expensive it fits one car this was a car it's a Caterpillar 797 it's a tractor okay it's used in mining again the world's biggest, biggest tractor biggest vehicle uh, yeah, yeah exactly they only sell about 200 of these a year and I it's just it's just top trump after top trump <laughs> it weighs, each tire weighs 5.2 tons. That's a lot of tire. The actual vehicle weighs about 170 tons. How much would one of those set you back if you well, wanted to buy Bridgestone one? Bridgestone wouldn't tell me. <laughs> That's always a good sign, but isn't it? <laughs> they wouldn't tell me, but 10 seconds in the old Google yeah. <laughs> found the answer. So you have to buy them in a set of six. Oh, gosh. And how much is six going to cost? Well, set you back? Again, it's a four meter wide, 1.5 meter tall tire. Oh. $42,000. Wow. A corner. Per tire. Wow. Per tire. And they only last a thousand hours. That's it. So do you, how do you get a five ton tire to the truck it goes on? I mean, you don't exactly have a tire jack, do you? And how do you jack the truck up you to get the tire you, off? <laughs> you actually take the truck in pieces. These are mining vehicles. They go to the mine in pieces, assembled on site, and the tire is transported there because there's no truck that can take a four meter wide tire. No. So they airlift it. The tires actually go by a helicopter and then the actual wheel is assembled on the truck and the tire around it. Of course, they don't balance it into anything as silly as that, but it is full of nerdy facts. <laughs> so it was quite an interesting tip from that nerdy perspective. So when they make tires, before they get to the point of actually making one for prototyping, a guy cuts it by hand. Uh, that's it. I did note that fact. So they're still cutting tires by hand. That's crazy. Well, that's the prototype stage, but they're still making, they got to figure out. So a guy actually sketches out the pattern, like literally on real time on the screen, prints it out, gives it to his mate, who's like a Japanese craftsman, obviously. Yeah. And the guy cuts it by hand, the that's exact same tread pattern. And then they go and try it out on the tri- pouring grounds. I always did wonder, bit of a nerdy question, not sure if you know the answer to it, but how do they come up with the tr- different tread designs? Um, that actually I do know the answer to. Oh, go on then. So basically, it's a mixture of what does it do in terms of performance. Obviously, does it grip the road? Does it evacuate water, which is very important, standing water. Otherwise, we don't have rain here, but if you did, it would hydroplane. It would be a very bad thing. So you want the car to perform well on water, snow, sand if it's an off-road tire. Mm. So rocks, again, off-road tire options. And the uh, pattern itself also has to look good. 
Really? So, so aesthetics. This do is one of those men things potentially. <laughs> I, it's, I mean, there are good-looking tires, and it's, there's a design and a style to the whole thing. So it has to look rather pleasing. Sometimes aggressive, sometimes like a tribal tattoo. So they design these tread patterns to look to catch the eye. Are you saying that women don't appreciate a good aesthetic-looking tire? I think tire? women have more sense than this. <laughs> I'm just. Gonna, I'm gonna be slightly sexist and say I think women have better things to do. <laughs> yeah, we just are more interested in probably the color of the car. I don't know the interior. You can it's get colored nice tires. They did a set of red tires once. But what? How is that practical for anything? It's just. A, it's just a silly thing. Your tires are not actually black, right? They're not. They're not black. What color they're, are they? They're a mixture of many polymers and nylon and this and that. But the black is actually. I learned so much on this. The black <laughs> is actually a carbon black that's added to the tire. Wow. <laughs> and that makes the tire black. If you take the t- if that color out, if you change that color, you get anything else. And actually, that makes it stickier. That makes the tire stickier so it sticks to the ground better. But the tires are not black. That's amazing. It really <laughs> isn't, is it? <laughs> I just love I love you nerding out right now. I've got a great text message in here saying... Stop la- it. That's what la- he's saying. Stop no, it. The largest tire manufacturer I heard on Dubai Eye was Lego. Amazing, isn't it? Yeah, I know, because yeah. I'm standing on them half the time. <laughs> That's what I full of useless facts around here. That is for sure. Um, but one thing, one question we want to throw out there tonight: If you are um, having a deliberation, if you're looking to buy a new car and you can't quite decide, and maybe you're um, umming and ahhing between one make or model versus another, do feel free to get in touch tonight. Four two three ten ten on the phones, or you can SMS us four double zero one, or use the Dubai Eye free app, or any car um, questions in general. Get in touch, and uh, I'm sure Imtisham will do his best to answer your questions but we'd uh, love to hear from you apart from tires what else were you looking at while you were in japan did you look at anything else while you were there apart from tires not really because oh. we're there just talk about tires and things but japan has an amazing car culture if you hang around long enough you will see the most rare incredible cars out there so alpha 8c's i saw a 1970s challenger mm. surprising amount of four befores really because you think the japan Japan would not be into four by. It's very, very tight on space. Yeah. But there were Wranglers and FJ cruisers everywhere. It was bizarre. I just have um, Tokyo Drift coming into my head a lot. Is it very much like that? You've not been, right? Um, No. (laughs) No, it's not. Um, It really isn't. Also, Tokyo Drift, again, sorry to break everybody's bubble, but that movie was not shot in Tokyo. I know. But... A lot of people think they, they built an entire set of the Shibuya Crossing, which is mad. The Shibuya Crossing is one of the greatest things on earth to see like thousands of people crossing the road at the same time. But it isn't like that. And Japanese people are not into cars. I met so many people who don't even have driving licenses. And yet this is shocking coming from a nation that uh, produces an awful lot of cars. And an awful lot of tires. But the reality is that there's no call for it. The transport system mm. is so good. Where would you possibly drive? And it costs so much to keep a car in Tokyo. Where would you keep one in Tokyo? There's no space. Underground. Basically, a lot of the... I mean, that's why they invented the K car, which is basically a car that doesn't need to have... You can't buy a car without a parking space. Do you know that? You have to have a parking space first. That's actually a really good idea. So (laughs) K cars are a class of car that you don't need a parking space to own. And they have a very specific sub one meter size, engine size like 600cc or some 660cc. And they're basically all boxes. And in that space, Japan has found ways to innovate because you have... Most of them are little van things. And you can have pickups. You can have little sports cars. You can have all variety of mad and crazy like gullwing little sports cars. Absolutely bananas. But nowadays people are not buying cars because the public transport system is good. Young people are not into cars. It's a bit of a dying heart, unfortunately. It's really sad to hear that there, like I say, because it's such a huge Harbinger. manufacturing country. Well, most of the cars go to places that actually 
people buy them like America and so on in Europe I mean inside Japan they do buy a lot of cars mm. don't get me wrong but the Japan works in a very funny way so when you buy a car in Japan you can only keep it x number of years before the registration process becomes incredibly onerous okay it's the shakan they call it the uh, the medallion basically that rego for the car and after a certain point it's not economically feasible to renew it anymore so that's when the cars get exported and go to the rest of the world or southeast asia and so on again they're right hand drives they only go to so many places and a lot of them end up in africa yeah but the japanese change cars quite often because they want to keep the polluting older cars and by older i mean like 4 years this that's is it. The, the tests are incredibly strict but um and they make cars and they make them very very well <laughs> well that's an they're incredible reliable. observation they know but <laughs> Are you saying that was a bit of one of those comments? Thank you. I know. I just realised that the second she came out of my mouth. But my point is, they make fantastic cars. They make sturdy, reliable, amazing cars. I mean, here, if you you know, when you when you trade off when you trade off the Japanese cars as opposed to European cars, always go for a Japanese car. Do you say. say that? I mean, I think the American cars have come along with, and the German cars have come along with, and not nothing is as reliable as the Japanese cars, but they're getting there. Mm. They're really getting there. Having said that. Japan's car culture has influenced the world. Now Japan's car culture is slowly receding. What comes next? I mean autonomous vehicles are not really that popular in, to- in Tokyo. A lot of hybrids. Tons and tons of hybrids running around Tokyo. Because again, gas is expensive, yeah. etc. So they're big on compact, sensible and smart solutions. But not so many electric cars. I saw a few Teslas, but not as many as I thought I was going to see. And uh, I'm sure that's a topic we're going to get on later on in this hour as well. Oh, the things that have been coming out in the news. All right, we do have quite a lot to get through. James Pike away, away this week. Emma Brain in for him on to buy I103.8. Don't forget, if you do want to get in touch, the phone lines are open 423-1010 or you can SMS 400 one or get in touch via the Dubai Eye free app. Uh, Imtishan from Motoring Middle East is here with me and before we get on to the New York Motor Show because I know that there were so many amazing things uh, being launched and going around there. I just want to talk about uh, uh, this year's April Fools from the motoring industry. There are a couple of good ones that I liked. Um, Skoda's new quarrel cancel technology. Basically, to save drivers from bickering backseat kids or adults, uh, it basically had a driver's seat with these speakers in the headrest. And if you heard bickering from the back, then you could flick a switch and uh, something would happen. Um, I'm like... Eject the children. <laughs> don't put ideas like that out yeah. there. That's not a good thing. But I was like, it might be an April Fool, but I actually quite like that idea. No, I yes, don't no. know if I would. Uh, even as a non-parent, I'm not sure I'd necessarily recommend silencing your children. Well, I'm it's right. a precursor to something awful, I suspect. It is, it is. But I just, I was like, wow, that's amazing. It, it could have uh, lots of potential other uh, uses as well. <laughs> Marriage saver, we should call it. My husband would go, yes. Can you stop the uh, passenger seat bickering, please? Oh, it's, oh, it's, oh, it's too close to home. It doesn't feel like comedy. It feels like real life, which is the best April Fool's joke, isn't it? It is, but that's why I kind of like Chevrolet's one where they had this selfie steering wheel. I think this could actually happen. People would actually buy that if there was a selfie steering wheel. You know what? I didn't think that, again, I didn't think that was a joke. Maybe I'm just really (laughs) thick, but I thought that was actually real. I was like, oh, okay, it's about time. I would buy a car to selfie steering. It would make my Instagram stories so much better. Again, I don't know the legalities of 
filming while driving. But uh, right now, no, there no. are none. There are none. It's completely illegal. But if you go on Instagram or Snapchat, people are doing it all the time. It is, and it's one thing that uh, winds me up particularly because you know it's the whole concentration thing. Two seconds off the road, and something can happen. We we all know this. You can't drive and concentrate. But again, people are eager to share their lives with everybody all the time. So it's a tough one. Better to provide a system where the MAF actually actually allows for it in their safety systems. But again, this is an April Fool's joke. This is very much not real. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll hasten to add that Very disclaimer. much not real, <laughs> despite the very good-looking Photoshop they did. Um, yeah, I mean, every, everybody is up to something. I think Volkswagen had an ejector seat for the passenger. <laughs> So that a button in the center console you could just use to eject passengers you didn't like, which again seems like a good, jolly good idea. It would be a good idea every now and again. I'm pretty sure of that. But yeah, but um, you have to replace the seat every time. Uh, That's they, they must be have to uh, be. See, this is <laughs> just my my nerd brain comes out and go, yeah, but there must be a mechanism where it would open, eject the person, and then fold back in nicely again, so you wouldn't have to do that. It's a bit like that Bond film, Goldfinger. Yeah. Because that was an ejector seat they used in that movie as well. That was one of the first ejector seats I saw on any anything, actually. 1964. And uh, he didn't worry about the seat because he crashed the car about a minute later. Because James Bond apparently can't drive. Uh, no, not really. On a wooded road in the middle of the night while being chased by a bunch of gun-toting baddies. Well, it's the movies, isn't it? Anything can happen. So, uh, <laughs> thanks for the April Fool's. That doesn't Fools happen very out. often. But yeah. It doesn't. Uh, let's look at uh, look over to the New York Motor Show. What did you like that was released over there? Uh, let's see. New Toyota RAV4. Everybody mm. knows the new RAV4. And there's a brand new one. It's basically sort of the FTAC concept brought to life. One of the best-selling cars in the world. I believe it's actually the best-selling Toyota in America. Put this in perspective. 400,000 RAV4s are sold in America, wow. which is 20,000 more than a Camry, which is still really, really impressive. It's a good-looking car. I think the engines are mostly carryover. It's on Toyota's new platform that sort of underpins the Camry and the Prius, so it should be quite nice to drive. But what I like about the Camry is they've toughened it up. Mm. So it actually looks like a sort of mini off-roader now. Quite a good-looking car, almost German. So I think it's about time the Camry had its day. Of course, it is have its day. Everybody loves the Camry. They're great. Um, I don't. I, I. Do you know what? Every time I, you know, as you well know, I have have a lease car, and when it goes in for its service, very often they give me a Camry as a replacement. I like that as a drivable car. I don't find it bad at all, particularly because I put my foot down and it goes. Unlike yeah, well, the other un- car, unlike, I the, have. unlike the car you actually pay for. <laughs> yeah. I think these cars, the Rav4s, the CRVs, the Hyundai Santa Fe's, or whatever this world, these sort of crossovers, small crossovers, Volkswagen Tiguan are the unsung heroes of the automotive world. They do a lot of hard, unfun work. They take kids to school, they carry skis, everybody's dirty shopping and shoes and everything else gets bunged into these cars. Mm. They are the new family vehicles of the 21st century. They're not the yuppie about town SUVs anymore. They're not really. They're actually pretty hard-working cars. I think, and to be honest, the mid-sized saloon is dead. It makes sense that Toyota's pushing RAV4 because the Camry at some point will recede. Mm. Nobody wants to buy a three-box. It's a very good car. The new Camry, I've driven it. It's an excellent vehicle. But the market is shifting decisively towards these kinds of cars because we all want to sit higher than everybody else yeah. in traffic. So that's why we have the RAV4. But it's nice. And I think the RAV has always been very, very popular. It's always, always been very popular here, that's for sure. And it always seems to be one that um, uh, retains its selling prices as well. It doesn't oh, have it any doesn't major really well. issues. So that first generation RAV4, when it came out here, it was quite a shocking car. I think everybody was like, wow, it was based on the Corolla back then. So... The car that sold in the mid-90s, 95-96, if you wander down to the uh, Umul Kuin 
car bazaar basically as far away as you can get mm. you'll find people who have imported german versions of that first car and are selling it wow and people are buying it because they're really reliable cars even yeah. almost 20 plus years later more than 20 years 22 years later you can pick one up for the equivalent of about between 10 and 15000 dirhams and imagine that's me mad to pay 10 15000 for a 20 plus year old car but they're solid they're german made they're german sold rav force yeah. completely original I mean, again, mileage, everything is very questionable, but people are buying them because they know they're known quantity, and you can run them on nothing, chip fat. There's nothing. There's nothing wrong with older cars, so long as they're it looked after. The and <laughs> I, I know, but I, I just, you know, as long as it's low on emissions and you can get that under control and it's in good condition and you can get the parts for it, why not? That's the thing. I mean, I don't even get the parts for twenty plus year old Rav4. I don't know if anybody actually want to buy one. I mean, again, drop us a text if you'd buy a twenty plus year old Rav4. Personally, I always recommend buying a newer car because of all the safety stuff that's happened mm. in the last twenty plus years. In terms of the cars are much safer, much more comfortable, and now you have Bluetooth. And now th- the reason why you want to buy a new Rav Four is toys. Go on, what's toys. it got? <laughs> It's got massive eighteen <laughs> screens, Apple CarPlay, eight hundred watt sound system, eleven speakers, panoramic soundroof, seat heaters, and AC. Hang on a second, is this a car or is it a cinema on wheels? Well, latter really. You can watch <laughs> the Avengers in it if you want. We don't need seat warmers here either. Well, you get it. Seat you, chillers. I, I don't know if we'll actually get the the um, the rear warmers, but you probably will. Uh, it all depends on the local dealer with all that. But that car should be here, I think, by the end of the year. Very fancy looking vehicle. And any idea on cost of that <sighs> one? Gosh knows. <laughs> Who knows? The current one is around one hundred and twenty, hundred and thirty, fully That's loaded, but. I'm no idea the new one's going to be. Prices are always hard to predict. Plus VAT, of course. Mm, that's not bad though, and I'm sure there'll uh, there'll be offers throughout the year. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. As we do, we look forward to that. Uh, all right, we've only managed to get through the Rav Four at the New York Motor <laughs> Show. So pick up the pace far. a bit. <laughs> we'll do that uh, when we come back. We'll see what else you liked at the New York Motor Show. And it's car talk at the moment. So if you want to get in touch, four double zero one on the SMS or use the Dubai Eye free app, or you can call us four two three ten ten. And uh, just before we go back to the New York Motor Show, Nabil's been in saying hi, Empty. Uh, speaking of Amal Quain used cars, what would you recommend for fifteen thousand dirhams, small, manual, and turbocharged? I mean, in Amal Quain, you find lots of cars for fifteen thousand dirhams of questionable, you know, <laughs> heritage and history and provenance, as the as the fancy people in the concourse say. I would look for an old Golf GTI. I would look for an old Seat Cupra, one of those cars. Um, I would actually look in Omelquin for old Civics because those are great. Those are fairly bulletproof. We saw a CRX there for seventeen thousand. It was a great little car. The CRX again, another German car. Intergalactic mileage, like three hundred thousand kilometers. But it's a Honda. Who cares? But to be honest, fifteen thousand dirhams. I wouldn't buy something small, man. You're on tire, but turbocharged. What would you I'd, buy instead? Uh, if you're in that neck of the woods, there's only one car to buy. It's a l- early '90s Lexus LS 400. Really, the big beefy saloon because it comes with a big four-liter V8. It costs about fifteen thousand dirhams, <laughs> and you can buy another one <laughs> and use it to feed parts of the first one. But they last forever. If you are in the Northern Emirates, let's be honest, the only car that's going to be coming up behind you at about six million kilometers per hour is a Lexus LS 400, <laughs> and you might as well have one because the, all the roads are straight. 
So have a big comfy cruiser, which is what that car is. I have a really silly question. Well, it's, it might seem silly to you. It seems a little bit silly to me. But why are we looking for cheaper vehicles in the Northern Emirates? That's what you find in Northern Emirates. I mean, you don't really find too many Bentleys out there. I mean, they're the home of people with slightly more tighter pockets. Mm, mm. You go find nice cars, there, don't get me wrong. But people go to Umul Quain looking for some sort of bargain. Okay. We found Ladas there, brand new Ladas for about thirty-five thousand dirhams. Do they even still make those things now? Well, they do. They do. <laughs> the factory is very much still up and running. Thirty-five thousand dirhams for a brand new car. Thirty-seven thousand dirhams if you want a two-month warranty. <laughs> and we drove it. You know what? It wasn't bad. I was quite amused by the Lada. It was a bit of a barrel of laughs. But it's, I mean, there's obviously there's got to be a market for cheaper cars, isn't there? You no, can they buy sold out. They sold seven hundred cars. Wow. Across the region, it was not just in Dubai, yeah, but they but sold 700 cars. Wow, that's yeah. amazing. We still have the video on our Facebook page, if you go and see it, of us wandering around talking to this Russian chap selling the Ladas in his tracksuit. You couldn't make this up. I've just got all the old Lada jokes coming into my head now. Yeah, but you know what? Sorry. You would, you would. If you want something a bit left field, and it was only a little 1.7, it was only manual. Yeah. And it was properly agricultural, but... As a four-wheel drive, it's very economical to run. I mean, you can run it, again, on chip fat. Servicing is, don't worry about it. And it goes absolutely everywhere. If you were a modified one, like a lifted one with big tires, that was like only 42,000 dirhams. And that's for a Lada, a proper, proper Lada off-road car. Actually, that sounds amazing. Where can I get one? Oh, <laughs> I'm going to go drive up there and go and have a look. Yeah. That actually sounds really good. Uh, there you go, Nabil. That's actually recommendations. <laughs> I don't know if we've helped him or uh, introduced him, him to <laughs> ruinous amounts of debt. But uh, I'd be interested to know what he goes for after that. Um, so let's uh, move back to the New York Motor Show, which we, we only got to go through the RAV4. Let's, let's, let's ramp Basically, this up a bit. It's toy on wheels, the RAV4. It's excellent. It's a cinema on wheels. What else? Um, Speaking t- of toys on wheels, Weeks Volkswagen uh, showed the a pickup truck, a Volkswagen pickup truck. I saw this. It's yeah. called the Tanok. Uh, it's basically the Terramont SUV is coming to this region with the back chopped off. Mm. So it's kind of like the Honda Ridgeline. It's about 16 inches longer, etc. And it looks production ready, if you ask me. Now, people have been saying, why doesn't VW make a pickup truck for years? I don't know who these people are. But in America, there's demand for it. It's very profitable. So this might actually come to market. Will it come here? Who knows? Who knows? Probably not, but I thought it looked pretty cool. Is it going to give the um, those big pickups a run for, a, for no, their money? No, not in the slightest. The American pickups, the Ram, the Ford, F-150, and the Chevy Silverado, they exist in their own space. Toyota hasn't managed it in about a billion years with the Tundra, which is mm. a good vehicle, but it hasn't managed to even come close to chipping away at those. So VW has no chance. They will sell some vehicles, like Honda has sold a fair few Ridgelines, but they're sold to people who don't want a traditional pickup truck. They want something European, but a bit clever. Honda, for example, in the Ridgeline, is one of my favorite features. They have like this tub in the back. Mm where you can store things, but it's got drainage holes. So the idea is you keep your beverages and refreshments in there with ice and you just drain them out at the end. Lots of clever things. And then there are speakers built into the tailgate. So you have your own tailgate music party. It's also lots of little clever things that wouldn't apply to the pickup truck people. Ah, this is good for wakeboarders. There's one target audience for you. Yes. (laughs) I'm not that active, but yes. Stick all your wet gear in the back and all the rest of it. Everything drains out and yeah. uh, you have your little party once you've finished out on the, um, you know, out, out on the water. What's this? <laughs> oh, Marco, come on. How do you double the value of a larder? Fill the petrol tank. Oh, that's a good one. We should keep those coming, actually. <laughs> 
What do you call a larder on its roof? Go on. A skip. <laughs> Sorry. I feel so bad. We know what we don't. I mean, I'm sure these are... <laughs> you started it. That's true. I asked for it. <laughs> what else are the motor show? A Nissan Altima? That's actually going to come here. It's going to be a big car. So the Altima now comes with a 2-liter turbo mm. in top-end model, replacing the old V6. And a 2.5 four-cylinder at the basic. But basically, it's taking on the Camrys, taking on the Accords. So it's quite an important car. It looks a bit like the big brother Maxima. And in some models, it's available four-wheel drive. Probably not here because you don't have a whole lot of snow. <laughs> but it's a whole new car. And Nissan is like taking it on. I think they decided they're not going to go for the big volume, but they're going to be a little bit different. Mm. And fuel economy improvements and so on. So yes, quite an exciting looking thing for the worthy side of the market. Anything else you saw? Oh, there's there? tons and tons. Uh, Infinity had a bunch of vehicles, uh, QX60, QX80, new trim levels. Um, for me, the big star probably was the Lincoln Aviator, Okay. which was a very stylish crossover, three-euro crossover. It's basically the new Ford Explorer in a Lincoln dress, but it looks like the big brother Navigator. And it's such a good-looking vehicle. I think it's going to give everybody in that segment a big run for their money. It's sort of Tahoe-sized crossover. Also, on the crossover side, there were a lot of crossovers, but one of the big highlights was the new small Cadillac X-T4, which is obviously below the X-T5. Very sharp-looking car, 2-liter engine, 9-speed auto. That's going to clean up, I think, when it comes out here. I mean, if you want a small, classy car, it's going to compete with the Mercedes GLC, BMW X1, etc. A nice little crossover. And um, speaking of Cadillac... Because I just wanted to ask you about this. Um, apparently, Cadillac Middle East has announced um, a limited run of 25 cars of the new championship edition of the ultra-high performance model, the Cadillac, C- Cadillac sorry, uh, CTS V Super Sedan to the region. It, it does look sedan. nice. It is a super sedan. I'm not sure if you need the championship edition, but, you know, why not? There's only a few of them. I remember driving that car and thinking of it as a bullet on wheel. It's mm. such a big, heavy car. But the speeds it's capable of are utterly, utterly mesmerizing. I mean, something that big shouldn't go like that, shouldn't turn like that. It could give a supercar a run for its money. It's a 200-mile-per-hour car. Be interesting to see it on the autodrome then, track. Yeah, I mean, it would destroy <laughs> the... I mean, they, we've taken an autodrome. It's very, very fast. I mean, it's almost absurd that a, a family saloon mm. can behave like a supercar, but that's what these cars are capable of doing now it does look nice and 640 horsepower which, is, which is a lot <laughs> I, d- I don't want to uh, even hazard a guess at the price tag of that one it's, going to it's be not cheap lot. it's well into the 300s it's not for the it's for the affordable performance family mm. yeah but it's for people who want BMW M5s and those sort of vehicles I mean the very fast family saloons there is a market for that these slightly older gentlemen but the CTSV is targeted at slightly younger people yeah. more fashionable people and I think the championship edition is a really nice looking version just uh, with all the go faster stripes it's excellent and I wanted to ask you about um, this one the Mercedes AMG um, they're going to stop doing the V12 engines after it phases out the top end 65 line that uses them no more V12s for the AMG oh I don't think they need it anymore they've got the V8s which are just as good and plenty fast I mean I think the V12s will come back mm. but <sighs> they're Russian oligarch specials yeah. The V12s are for the person who whom the regular G63 is frankly a little too popular. So you get a G, I mean they will G Mercedes will always do these cars. I don't think they're going away. They're a bit insane though, aren't they well, really? 20 you know 12 spark plugs. Mm. It's a lot of spark plugs. Yeah, the numbers alone in servicing. I mean they depreciate like rocks off a mountain. Yeah. Falling. They're not 
They're great bargains second hand if you can find one. But the the bills of any V12 ever made, any car, are horrific. So they're not exactly, you know, no, I wouldn't use them for the commute, the yeah, V12. Exactly. Um, was there, were there any weird and wonderful concept cars at the New York you know Motor what? Show? That not really. People are not doing concepts anymore. They all pretty much make concepts that look just like final cars. So there isn't really that kind of mad flights of fancy anymore, which is a bit sad because that's It is. That's why I went to motor shows, to see the concept cars, to see the crazy visions of the future. And now they just give us cars <laughs> that are the ones you can actually... Which this is funny, isn't it? Because years and years ago I said, I want cars that you can actually buy. Enough of these silly concepts. And then we got it and they're like, oh, I wish I had the concepts again. But yeah, but as you say, it was flights of fancy, something completely outside the box. You went, yeah, concept car, but somebody make it because it's awesome. Well, you know, who said that? Steve Jobs. He famously said, why can't they just make the concept the car? And the reason is... It, Concepts are easy to draw and sketch and they're all handmade and they never mm. really run. Like it's easy to say that this is a car powered by dreams. But nobody's actually done the engine. They just said it. Yeah, this is true. It's like put a fin on the back, it's a turbine. Like when a kid puts, you know, draws a fan back of his car and says he's a superhero. It's it's not what it's not real. Absolutely crazy. All right. Um, uh, Intershan, we got a message in here right now saying, I've always been impressed by Intershan's vast knowledge of cars. Amazing, really. Unfortunately, we haven't gotten to know him very well. Can we have a little more info on you, please? As and where and how did you manage to know all of this? You can only see my face right now. Um, <laughs> that's a really funny question, isn't it? It's a good question. We, I'd quite like to know. So do tell, spill. Um... Well, basically, I was just like everybody else. I just absorbed every magazine and book I could get my hands on. I was just reading and reading. And I just wanted to be Jeremy Clarkson. Clearly, that was never going to happen. So I read every book I had in the meantime. But eventually I got around to it. I mean, it's, it's a long, torture, torturous path to become a motoring journalist. It's not easy. And there is no guidebook or anything. Yeah. Sometimes you have to just carve your own path and start writing stuff for free like I did. I started writing for a very prominent magazine out here and doing reviews for them while I was working in a big publishing house. And that sort of opened up one opportunity, etc., etc. But knowing about cars, well, I still... Uh, there's one thing, though, to read about cars. Mm. One thing to talk about it with your mates. And there's another thing to actually drive the cars. And that's the dividing line between people who read about things that we do and we try to impart as much information as possible. Whether you watch a video or you write a review. It's one thing to read that and it's another thing to be behind the wheel of the car, to be doing it for real. And then for you find that sometimes your opinions don't match, which is fine, absolutely fine. But to actually sit there and have a car, whether it's an off-road car or an on-road car or just a normal family hatchback, then that's the real time when you really start learning about things. Because so many things that you didn't think about, when you're young, for example, you just want lots of fast cars, for yeah. example. Or you want cars that go everywhere. But when you are reviewing a car, you got to think about it from everybody's point of view. Does it fit the purpose that it was intended for? There's no point asking a Corolla to go off-road. But you do have to think about the legroom. You do have to think about, are there USBs in the back? Are there features that, make ma that matter to the audience the car was designed for? And does it go over and above that? And does it actually feel like it has any personality? Does it hit the mark? And if it doesn't hit the mark, well, by how much? does? Is it really worth slating it? Not the Corolla. Corolla is fine, but yeah. you get my point. But you have, I, I'm just going to stop you on the Corolla thing, though, because one time, just a little anecdote, camping out in the desert and we see these headlights coming and we're pretty far in the desert. We're out there with the four by fours. See these headlights burning over the sound du sand dunes. To Toyota Corolla comes steaming through. Unbelievable. Yeah, Corolla can go anywhere. <laughs> I mean, any, any car can go anywhere in the desert. If you have, keep your foot in it, always park downhill. <laughs> 
and never <laughs> ever quit. We once drove a Volkswagen CC saloon car through the dunes. Awesome. That was uh, foolish. Uh, we've been pestering VW for years. We actually wanted to get a Bentley, but Bentley said no. <laughs> VW made a four-wheel drive car. They made some changes. They, I think, they took wheels off a different optional wheels, and um, slightly smaller wheels, like 17s. Yeah. And we just deflated the tires and drove uh-huh. this car through the dune. There's a video of it somewhere actually on our from where this is like five years ago, and of course it got stuck. But when it got stuck, it nosedived into a dune. We dug it out a bit. drove it away and it was absolutely fine because it had this memory plastic at the front so it looked yeah. like it was a disaster but actually when we drove it away it just popped back into place thank goodness because mm-hmm. i wasn't fancying paying for it but yeah i mean any car can do anything that car went over and above its mission let's put it that in review terms you you pushed it beyond the boundaries that is for sure but it's uh, the right you know, stuff it had you have uh, you've taken you know uh, all your learning and everything and you've turned it into a passion and you're very knowledgeable and you have an awesome job let's face it you get to travel all over the, the place it's the best job in the world like i said i'm in arizona one week driving the new ram i'm in japan the next week learning about tires and it's again it's a great opportunity to learn about the industry it's one thing to drive the cars the next job is learning about the com- companies and the people and the passion and the true believers as some say that put the cars together because it's very easy to make an average car to make an exceptional car is like alchemy it's like chemistry it doesn't happen it's like a good film mm. it it takes so many things and so many things can go wrong but once in a while it goes perfectly right and when you get to see that process you can celebrate it so yeah i mean being part of this industry and talking about it is a privilege There you go. Fantastic. I hope that's uh, answered your question there. And so I wanted to one thing I wanted to uh, get your opinion on is um American sports car fans have convinced Porsche to stick with the stick. Uh basically they've stopped them from uh stick with, stick the, with stick. the stick. Yeah, that's I a like bumper that. sticker, isn't it? <laughs> But uh to to basically um carry on producing the manual cars, which is a great thing. But nobody's buying them in Dubai though. No, but in the states they do. They like them. Yeah, but again, something very specific, like the 911, which is a car that obviously you enjoy. Nobody's buying it in like a Mazda 3, are they? No, this although is Mazda true. actually does sell a Mazda 3 manual. And the US market buys a lot of manuals, which is funny because a lot of European people have this impression of Americans as being sort of people who are not interested in driving. Yeah. But actually, America drives a lot of manuals, whereas Europe, Europe is heading towards automatics because they can't be bothered anymore. And the traffic is bad in the UK, for example. I imagine. And ah, uh, depends where you are. If you're out in the country, it's absolutely fine. But everybody lives in London, isn't it? It's like a giant island of London with a bit of the UK attached to nope, it. Nope, huge stereotype and misconception. <laughs> uh, <laughs> let's talk very quickly about the custom show. Tell custom me show is. is happening at Adnec this weekend, and there's a chance for every custom car owner to come and see what the latest trends and modification are. And I won't be there because I will be at Comic Con this weekend. If you bump into me, say hello and wave. I might. smile who knows but the custom show is great i'm actually really gutted that i'm missing it it's um but it, we do see some there's also an abdabi motor show attached to it i, 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 I have no idea what it's going to be like but we've know nothing about it but i imagine it's going to be there but i like the um uh when you talk about custom vehicles um it really does kind of open up to the weird and wonderful i think they use some really I odd mean, stuff what's the weirdest car you ever seen out here I don't know the weirdest car I've seen some really weird bikes <laughs> that like, have been customized like, um, just like done up airbrushed like, etc airbrushed but also also add-ons and there was um 
there's one guy and it's basically the bike kind of looks a bit like a skeleton and the thing is he kind of wears the helmet and everything and the and the the, the vest and everything that kind of goes with that as well so it's like um, morphing into the bike it's like rider and he's bike sort of are like one. a big ghost rider fan kind, like he's kind of like that a little bit I think that's probably the, one, of, one of the weirdest I've seen here cars not so much I can't say I've seen massive custom things but th- so this would be interesting well, I mean, to check out we have they have sections there for off-road cars they have sections for modified street cars, stance cars. Do you know what stance is? No. So for the for the person who doesn't know what stance is, it's a movement to make cars as low as possible. And I mean, you couldn't even slide a deck of cards under these cars. But so that's not really practical though, is it? I'm taking it you can't drive cares? them anywhere. <laughs> Speed bumps. So basically, it doesn't matter. You just sort of crab walk out. It's hilarious. Uh, <laughs> but you make the tires as wide as possible, stretch them out, roll the fenders and make them so, so ridiculously low. It's a style thing. I don't get it. But I just report on it. I don't create the trends. Is there like sparks coming off as there's a moving along because they're that low? That's the idea. That's the idea. It's <laughs> lots of young men and women who just really, really like this sort of the stance life. Oh, dear. You were telling me about the wa- a Walking Dead car. The Walking before. Dead car is a Camry with like body parts hanging off. It's really weird. Um, there are lots of very cool um, vintage cars as well that are going to be out there. So, yeah, lots of stuff to go and see at the custom show. Lots of really oddball cars. There'll be some the concourse cars as well, or some some modified cars just for the show. So who will win the prizes? I don't know. And also, if you're looking to pick up some uh, parts, it's mm. also a good place if you want to get some go faster stripes, or who knows, maybe a giant turbo which you can't legally install. Let me point out on your car, you cannot legally <laughs> install it, but you can buy one. Yeah, then what? For the off-road use. Okay, fair enough. Allegedly. Yes, allegedly. <laughs> Im Tashan, we've run out of time once again. It's been fantastic um, chewing things over with you once again. And uh, thank you very much, Im Tashan, from Motoring Middle East in for Car Talk once again on Nightline Dubai I 103.8.